Welcome to the Foundations Church Podcast, where we exist to make Jesus famous. We hope this message is life-giving, encouraging, and challenges you in your walk with Christ. August 31st, 1986, 2016. Hey, what's up, FC? Welcome to the podcast. I am Bobby, your friendly neighborhood photographer slash media guy, and here's what's happening right now at Foundations Church. Encounter, women's service, September 13th. By nature of my being a male, I have no idea what happens at this event. All I know is that you need to RSVP. By September 6th, childcare will be provided, and that a human being named Carrie Kittinger will be the guest speaker. Shrouded in secrecy and spoken of only in the shadows, my only guess is that there's probably lots of cool ninja stuff going on, so RSVP, ladies. Kacha! On the opposite end of the gender spectrum, we had a ton of fun at Man Day last night. Guns, basketball, barbecue, and grown men doing water aerobics were just some of the highlights. Remember, men, the next event is October 1st, so don't give up on your devotionals. Go strong. Last but not least, remember to get in contact with your Connect group and get plugged in. This is how we do life together at Foundations Church. We've just officially started all of our groups, so don't miss out. All right, all right, that's enough of me. Without further ado, here is Pastor Justin delivering the final sermon of our In the Moment series. Tune in next week when we begin our new series, Facebook Theology, and examine just why God created social media in the first place. Here's a hint. Faces. Good to see everybody today. Um, we just kicked off last week our market days, which is our connect groups, which is our small groups. Um, and we truly think we are better together, like Michael was saying. And we want you to get connected into a small group because you can worship with a crowd, but it's hard to do life with one. Um, and this church is growing, which is awesome. But that also means me and my wife can't take dinner to everybody that goes in the hospital. Just being real honest, I don't have the funds to bring everybody food that goes in the hospital. I mean, there's just no way. I would, we, I would love to be able to do that. Um, but me and my wife, we, we don't have the time. We don't have the funds. Um, we, we can't be connected to every single person. But, but here's the great thing. You can be connected to other people if you put the time and the effort to get connected in. Because we truly do make time for the things we want to make time for. And there is a place for you, Foundations Church, if this is your first time or you're just looking for a place to get connected, after service, head to our Connect Center and go look at all the different Connect groups that we have to offer. We would love to get you connected. Now, let me, I've got several different things to say for this before I even get to the message, so I'm gonna try to really go quick right now. All my men here, um, just kind of raise a fist um, because we raise a fist instead of a hand because that kind of, you can do a little girly. Um, but, you know, Tuesday night, this Tuesday night at 6.30, we have Man Day. Um, it is going to have pulled pork, barbecue, hot links, beans. I'm not talking like from rib crib. I'm talking Ted Lacina is making barbecue from scratch. It's gonna be awesome. Here's the deal. We're going to be shooting skeet. 
You may not like shooting skeet. We're going to be fishing. Well, I don't like to fish. We're going to be playing three-on-three basketball. Well, I don't like to play basketball. We're going to have swimming. Well, I don't like to swim. You don't like anything. Just come out, get involved, be there. It's one night, one night at 6.30 to 8.30. It's totally free. Invite your friends, because we believe that we are found people who find people. Man, you may never be able to get one of your buddies to come to church, but you can get them to come to something like that. Man, let's just totally overwhelm Kevin Kunkel's house and his area and be there this Tuesday at 6.30. We're gonna be talking about how to act like a man, and it's gonna be awesome. So, um, and the last thing is this. <clears throat> we, I, I said this in second service last week, but I'm gonna say this in first service this week. We have some awesome college students that are coming to our church from both TU and ORU, yeah. Um, and it's, it's really, really cool. And we are so glad that they are back. Um, we're glad that school's back in session and we love both campuses. We are glad that both of them are coming and we're looking to launch more and more opportunities to host them and just to show them our love. But we have uh, every, every, almost every week when they're not out of town, um, a lot, a lot of the ORU girls soccer team comes to first service, first service, see, that's them. That's them, first service, guys. Now, now I want you to think back when you were in college. You were not waking up at nine o'clock to come to church or, or be at a nine o'clock service, right? You weren't doing that. They have a game tonight in Stillwater and they still came to church this morning, Foundation Church. So, so. Here's what I'm doing. None of them asked me to do this. First service, let's start going to their games. Let's start yelling for them. Let's start cheering for them. Wear your Foundations Church t-shirt so they know when you talk to them, like, okay, you're not just a stranger. Um, you go to my church. Um, but let's go root them on. Go get online. Get to the ORU soccer schedule. Both the men's team comes in second service because they're lazy. I am just playing. Um, they're awesome. Um, it's because the girls are here. Um, but the... Let's go to the men's games, the girls' games. It's free. The games are free. Like, you can take your family. It's free. It's free, fun, fun family night. Um, but let's go support them because they are awesome, and we want to show them love. So, yeah. So, when you came in, hopefully, you got a spoon. Did everybody get a spoon this morning? You got a spoon. We're not giving an ice cream away like Justin Turnbow said. Um, Hopefully, hopefully, if I do my job right today, hopefully this makes sense towards the end. I wanna to talk to you about God of the spoon, God of the spoon. So hopefully this right here makes sense. I was playing the spoons at the end of worship um, during mingle time, and I think there's a spot for me. I think I found my gifting. So, so we've been in this series called In the Moment. And in this series, uh, uh, today's message is kind of a not a U-turn, just a left turn. Um, I was planning on going this direction and God's like, whoop, you're going this way. Um, and I love when the Holy Spirit does that. And so um, today's message wasn't something that I was planning on speaking on, but Monday when I got on my face before the Lord, this is definitely the way we need to go this morning. And so um, when, when we've been in this series, we've been talking about how do you own the moments? How do you own the everyday moments? As we talked about last week, owning the everyday moments, owning you know, the beginning moments, owning, owning those moments. How do you not just get caught up in the moment? And, and we talked about making the most of your moment, making the most of your life, because it's really important for us to do that. But today I wanna to talk to you about what do you do when you've blown the moment? 
What, what do you do when you miss your moment? What, what do you, and, and you're like, I, I, I missed it. I, I, I messed it up. I, I totally whiffed on the moment. That's what I want to talk to you today about. On July 20th of this year, July 20th in Sydney, Australia, there was a group of whale watchers that were going out to look for humpback whales, okay? And they're on a boat and they're in Sydney, Australia. This hump, this is a real picture, okay? This isn't like something from the Onion website. This really happened, okay? This humpback whale jumps out. I mean, literally feet from their boat. Like this is what they're on the ocean to see. And if you look at their heads, they're looking the other direction. The whole boat. <laughs> The whole boat didn't see this humpback whale jump and like come out of the water and it was like, hello, you know, um, he's over, over here, over here, you know, um, this whale's there and it jumps back in the water and only till it like comes out and like starts hitting the water did the people's head snap. They totally missed the moment, the moment that they were hoping for. They totally missed that moment. And the truth is, I think a lot of us were there. I think there's some of us, we just feel like that picture is indicative of our life. As we just, we just missed it, and we look back at moments, we're like, I missed it there. We look back at certain phases of, I missed it there. And you're here this morning, and you know what? You're just beating yourself up because of the missed moments, the missed opportunities. It may have been this week and you just, you just missed the moment. You got caught up in the moment and, and, and you messed it up. And how do you recover from the moments you missed? Because here's the truth, and I don't wanna like paint this sermon with just rose-colored glasses. When you miss a moment, there are consequences. Hear me. It's not that God hates you, it's just there's a consequence to the choices and decisions that we make. If I decide to go and, and charge and max out all my credit cards and I pray to God to send me like $40,000 of God just blessed me with $40,000 because I had to pay these credit cards and I felt like you don't, no, God didn't tell you to put $40,000 on your credit card. There's consequences to that. There, there's, there's a thing that you have to pay. You gotta pay it back. There's a consequence to our actions. But some of us were so caught up in the consequence. Some of us were so caught up with the moments we missed that we don't know what to do. We don't know what's next. We don't know if there is anything next. And, and to you, I want to speak this morning. And I want you to understand, we only have two points this morning. But the first thing I want you to understand, and it's just truth. It's fundamental that you get this this morning as you're beating yourself up, as you're trying to get over the regret and over the pain, that you hear me this morning is that there is grace for the moment. There's grace for the moment. Um, grace is defined as this. I found this in a, uh, a theology dictionary. It says this, grace refers to the condition of being given or shown favor. 
especially by someone in a position to exercise goodwill by meeting a particular need. Grace can also refer to the manifestation of such a disposition of kindness in the form of material benefaction, including the giving of gifts, the approval of one's request, the granting of freedom or mercy, and the deliverance or salvation from evil or harm. Now, if you're like me, some of you, you get this. You are a good student, and I'm paying for the moment that I ignored in college and school. Um, as I read that, and I have reread that, and it still sounds so complicated to me. I'm like, what? What is grace? And I think for some of us, we don't have a real understanding of what grace is. So we're looking for grace in the moment, but we don't know what to look for. Let me give you what grace looks like, because I think if we can see what grace looks like, then we understand it a lot better. The other day, my, about a year ago, my, one of my daughters, I think it was my youngest one, Chloe, um, but they were, uh, Chloe was, we're going to say it's Chloe, we'll blame her because she's not in either service. Uh, Charlie's in second service, so we won't blame her. Um, we'll blame Chloe. Chloe's, Chloe gets the blame today. Um, Chloe was getting um, um, a glass out of the cabinet, um, and it was some of the glasses we got when Casey and I were first married um, for a wedding present, which that was a long time ago, almost 18 years ago um, in September. And so um, she's grabbing this glass, and she gets it, and it's this blue, heavy glass, like real glass glass, because um, most of the glasses that I drink out of now are Tupperware. Um, but she gets ready to get water and it gets water on the side and she goes like this and from the refrigerator and she turns around and it just slips out of her hands. And it falls on the ground and there's glass everywhere. And there's water everywhere. And she's like, uh, you know, she's kind of freaking out because she doesn't know what's gonna happen because we have told her, use Tupperware, Chloe. <laughs> Don't, don't use real, there's no reason for you to use a real glass other than to feel fancy. And we're not about fancy at our house. And so she kind of goes, dad, dad. And I, I come in there, and I, she didn't have to say it. I just heard the noise. I'm like, what, what happened? What's going on? And she just looked and she's like, I'm so sorry. And I go, are you okay? And she goes, yeah. And then at that point, I said, Chloe, that's the dumbest Thing I've ever seen you do. You know better. What are you doing? Why didn't you ask for help, you big dummy? You know, um, I didn't say that to my daughter. <laughs> He'd be like, you are the meanest dad ever. I just looked at her and I said, Chloe, are you all right? Are you, are you cut? Are you, do we need to go see Dr. Steve Newsbaum? Um, are you okay? We don't need to go to urgent care. We're, she goes, I'm okay. And I... I go, stay there, let me go get my shoes. <laughs> so I went and got shoes and I went into her mess and I picked her up from her mess and I carried her to a place of safety. And then I cleaned her mess up. Well, let's, let's retract that. Then Casey, Casey cleaned her mess up. <laughs> let's be honest. Don't need to start lying, the anointing might leave. Um, <laughs> And you know what, when we, that's grace. That's what grace looks like. We're gonna mess up, there's gonna be moments you miss, there's gonna be moments you whiff it and you miss the moment and you've messed the moment up. But can I tell you, there's grace for that moment. And what grace is, it's not you coming to God and God's like, you 
dummy. How could you? You know better, it's in the book, the Bible. If you would open up and read it, you might know it. I gave it to you for a purpose, for a reason. You know, no, 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 no. What grace is, is you going, man, I'm sorry. You own the moment. You own, say, hey, I, I messed up. And when you do that, God comes into your moment. He comes into your mess and he picks you up. And he brings you to a place of safety where you're no longer in a place. That's grace. That's grace in its purest form. And some of you, you are so scared to fess up. You're so scared to come clean because you don't know if there's gonna be grace for your moment. But can I tell you, the Bible is full of Jesus showing grace for the moment. In John chapter four, verses one through 42, we, we read the story of the woman at the well. Many of you remember this story. And the woman at the well has been married five times. Say five. Five times. Now, that's a lot of times to be married. And she's living with the guy that's not her husband now. So if you can do math, that's six. But this one isn't even in her husband. This is her, just a man she's shacking up with. Six different men. Who? That's a lot by our standards now. Think of it in biblical times. Nobody was talking to this. No, the women wouldn't even talk to this woman. That's why she's drawing her water at noon during the heat of the day. Because nobody's talking to her. She has missed her moment. She has messed her moment up. And Jesus comes and he comes to the well and he, a Jewish man, starts talking to a Samaritan woman, which is unheard of. If you read the text, she's shocked that Jesus is even talking to her. She doesn't even know this is the Messiah yet. Just that a Jewish man would talk to me, a Samaritan woman, who is a person of questionable reputation, that you just shocked her. And then he starts just catching up. Hey, you know, where's your husband? Well, he's there. She's, he's like, yeah, you're right. And you've had five husbands, and the one that you're with now ain't even your husband. He didn't say ain't, but he said it isn't even your husband. He, he reads her mail. He tells her her mess. And then you know what's amazing? He doesn't walk away. He's not like, now think about what you did. No. He says, you know what? There's grace for your moment. And he gets into the, there's grace for her mess up. And Mark, Mark chapter nine, verses 17 through 26 is a story about a dad who has a demon-possessed son. And he has tried all he knows to try, but the son keeps, when, when he, man, the demon keeps throwing the, the son into the fire and he tries to drown his son and he's sent the, he's come to the apostles and he's like, man, I just, I, I need Jesus to heal my son because he's been like this forever. And Jesus is like, you know, how long has he been like this since a little boy? And Jesus says, do you believe I can do this? And he says something so true, so transparent, so raw in verse 24 of this chapter. He says, I, I, I believe you can, but help me with my unbelief. Amen. I know that you're capable, but I don't know if you're willing. And you know what? I think there's a lot of us here, we, we know God's capable of cleaning up our mess. We just don't know if he's willing. 
I believe you're capable of it, but I just don't know if you're able. I believe, but help me with my unbelief. I, I think my situation could get better, but I'm not sure. And you know what? Some of us, it's not this life horrible altering thing, but your faith is shaken this morning. I tell you, man, this father's faith, it was shaken. Life was not like he thought it was gonna be. His boy, is, it, it, it's awful, day in, day out. He's just tormented, he's tormented. And this father just comes and says, man, I know that you are capable, but I'm not sure if you're willing, help me, help me. And Jesus comes and he shows grace for the moment. You read in John chapter 11, verses one through 43, the story of Lazarus. Lazarus is dead. They've already had the funeral. The stone's already in place. The situation, the circumstance is over with. There's nothing that could, good that could come out of this. And Jesus says, roll the stone away. And you remember one of his disciples, I love the way it reads in the King James Version. He says, Lord, he shall stinketh at this moment. You know, stinketh. Some of you stinketh. Um, he's like, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not done. There's still grace for the moment. You may think it's over, but there's still grace for your moment. And the Bible records, and some of us, we say, well, I, I know that's what, it, I know, and that's certain stories, but listen to what the Bible says. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us new in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things, some of you say all, all, Having sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse nine. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. That word sufficient comes from a Greek word that's simply called ar archeo, and it simply means to be enough. My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is enough for you. For my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. First Corinthians chapter 15, verses nine through 10 says, for I am the least of the apostles, Paul talking about himself, who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church. I've done too much. I have too many regrets. I, I, I just, I've blown it. I, I've just done too much, but I love that but right there. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. Amen. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than all, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Some of you, you need to have a but by the grace of God, I am what I am moment this morning. You're, you're disappointed, man. You're just disappointed with where you are in life. And you're like, man, I, I, I have made this or this is just kind of what I've inherited or this isn't what I thought life was gonna be. Hear me, there's grace for your moment. 
And you need to have a but by the grace of God, I am what I am moment because it leads to Hebrews chapter four, verse 16 that says, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. We will find grace to help us when we need it most. There's grace for your moment. Man, some of you, you need to get that deep. There's grace for your moment. And hear me, because you don't just need to know that. Because why there's forgiveness, why there's grace, why there's God who can come in and pick you up out of your mess, why there's God who will enter the mess with you, why there's God who will kind of be there when your life is disappointed, when it doesn't look like it's supposed to. Man, can I tell you, there may be some of you, your faith is shaken because it's not that you've done anything wrong, it's the exact opposite. You've done everything right and it still doesn't look like what you thought. Who? There's grace for that moment. There's, there's Hebrews chapter four, verse 16, and we will find grace to help us to lean on when we need it most. And understand, if that's you today, this second point is huge. There is still purpose despite your disappointment. Oh man, this is so good. I'm having a good time up here speaking. Um, there is still purpose despite your disappointment. We're going to go Old Testament right now. Jeremiah 29. Most of us know Jeremiah, and you don't have to put this up yet. Most of us know the scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11. But we don't know the context in which it sits. When you understand the context of what's going on in Jeremiah 29, it has a total different power. So what's happening is the Babylon, Babylon, Babylonian Empire, I got it out, some of you thought I was speaking in tongues. Babylonian Empire, King Nebuchadnezzar has come in and he has conquered Jerusalem already. He hasn't come in for the second time and completely wiped it out, but he went in and his army took the best of the best people. And he kidnapped them, the Bible says exiled, which is the same thing, he kidnapped them and took them back to Babylonia. And we did a series called Thriving in Babylon not too long ago. This is where this context is coming from. He took the best of the best and he put them in a culture that they was totally the opposite of the Jewish culture. He took them and placed them where they were. They were at a place they didn't wanna be. They're at a place that, that life is not what they thought it would look like. Families have been torn apart. Relationships have been strained. Their faith in God is shaken. And all of a sudden, we, that's the setting for Jeremiah 29. And in Jeremiah 29, verses one, uh, uh, Jeremiah 29, one, and then we're gonna jump to verses four through six. It says this, Jeremiah wrote a letter from Jerusalem to the elders, priests, prophets, and all the people <clears throat> who had been exiled to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. So, so you understand who's Jeremiah is writing to. He says this, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel says to all the captives he has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. And, and some of us, we need to catch that because God was still in the pain of the moment. It says, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel says to all the captives, he he was in the moment. 
He was in the mess. There was grace for that moment. There was still purpose to come out of their disappointment. He says this, build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so you may have many grandchildren. Some of you grandparents out there, or you're wanting to be grandparents, this is your verse. Have many grandchildren. Multiply, and I love this part, don't, do not dwindle away. They're in a situation they didn't wanna be in. This is not what their life was going to look like. This is not what the moment looked like to them. And God says this to them, do not dwindle away. Thrive where you're at because there's purpose in your disappointment. Don't you dwindle. Don't you shrink away from the life that I've called you to. There's still purpose in your disappointment. And some of you in this place, we dwindle when things don't go our way. We shrink back. Well, my kids aren't acting the way that they know to act. And we dwindle from our responsibility of as parents. Why should I even try in my marriage? It's a joke. Nothing's getting better. And we dwindle instead of multiply. We dwindle instead of making the best of where we find ourselves in, in the disappointment of the moment. Well, you know what? My finances are jokes, so why even tithe? Why even give? Why be faithful? Because it's not working out, Justin. I, I, I know what God promised, but it's not looking at, don't you dwindle away because there's still purpose that will come from your disappointment. Don't dwindle away. Your life just stinks right now. We want to make it so biblical and we want to paint big, but your life just stinks and you don't like it and you don't like the situation and you don't like the circumstance and you're hurting and you're disappointed and you're in pain. Don't you dwindle. Don't you shrink back. But realize God has a purpose in the midst of your disappointment. In 1984, there was a word that was used according to Webster's Dictionary for the first time, and we know this word. But the first use of this word was in 1984, which for words, that's not very long to be in existence. And the word's called repurpose. Repurpose simply means this, to give a new purpose or used to. To give a new purpose or used to. Now, I got onto the worldwide internet web and I just started seeing repurposing projects because we know I'm not handy, so I'm never gonna attempt this stuff. And I started getting on and there's like people that made a, uh, 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 like holding a, a bathroom sink with a bike, you know? And I'm like, well, that's pretty cool. And there was somebody that took an old tire and made an ottoman out of it and an old boat and made a hanging bed, you know? And like all these different cool things. But probably the coolest one to me involved a spoon. And it looked like this. I think you've got a picture. This is a lampshade that he made. Was, that's cool. I mean, it's just a, what you're holding right here is what somebody saw and had in mind and had the creative genius to see what was into what could be. And can I tell you, that's what God does. 
God sees what you are. He sees where you are. And maybe life isn't what it, like you thought it would be and you're disappointed and you feel like this isn't the life that I thought it was gonna look like. Maybe that's the point. Because can I tell you, God is the God of repurposing your life. He's the God of taking what was and making it new again, of using it in a new way that you never thought possible. You never imagined. He's saying, I, I know what you thought it was going to look like, but I have a new purpose. I have a new direction in your disappointment. And it's gonna look way better than what you ever thought it could possibly look. This is what God does. He's the God of the spoon, but he's also the God of your life. In the midst of you thinking my life would look like this, he's saying, no, 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 no. When you let me have it and you find there is grace in the moment, I can tell you there is purpose that will come out of your disappointment. And when I'm done with your life, if you will just surrender it, if you will just yield it, I know you've messed up. I know you don't like it, but it will blow your mind if you will simply let me have it. And then Jeremiah 29, 11 comes and it is awesome because God of repurpose in a place they don't want to be. He just said, don't dwindle away. He says this, for I know, I know the plans I have for you. All you see is a spoon, but I know what I'm going to do with that spoon. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. You may not know the plans. You may not see how it's ever going to happen, but God knows. And if you will allow him, he will bring purpose out of your disappointment because he is the God of repurpose. He is the God that gives a new purpose or use to your life in the midst of your disappointment. Man, he, that's what he does. He took a Samaritan woman, the sixth man, told a new definition. The sixth man that she's been living with, when nobody's thought, man, that could be used. That spoon can't be used. He takes this woman and he uses her to reach an entire village and introduce them to Jesus Christ because God brings purpose out of your disappointment. He took Abraham who he promised your life will look like this and we find Abraham and he's 90 years old and he still doesn't have a child. And in the midst of disappointment, in the midst of when his life didn't look like he thought, he said, you know what? I will bring purpose out of your disappointment. And at the age of 90 years old, God makes Abraham the father of nations because he knows the plans he has for you to bring purpose out of your disappointment, to repurpose you, to use you for something you never thought you could imagine being used for. And I close with this, and I end with this, but some of you, you need to hear this, you need to listen to this verse. It's Ephesians chapter three, verses 20 through 21 out of the Amplified Version. It says this, now to him who is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly more than all that we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, or dreams, according to His power that is at work within us. To Him 
be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. It's Him that's able and supernaturally to do abundantly above what you could ever ask or think. All glory to Him because He's not done with you. He's repurposing you and He's bringing a message. He's bringing a purpose out of your disappointment if you'll simply, simply surrender it this morning. Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you for today. Believe, belong, become. Join us in our vision here at Foundations Church. Services are every Sunday at 9 a.m. and 1045 a.m. And our youth service voltage is every Wednesday at 7 p.m. To find out more or get connected, join us online at foundationschurch.tv. We hope that you enjoyed this message. If you have any questions or want to reach out to us, you can email us at info at foundationschurch.tv or visit our website at foundationschurch.tv. 